It's hard to feel free when the world is crashing down around us and we're shut up in our homes practicing social distancing. But you don't have to feel trapped. You can write your way to freedom. Welcome to the Right Away Podcast. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Right Away Podcast. It is July 22nd, 2021 as we're recording this. I am Chris Keene with my co-host, J.P. Reinpush. How's it going, JP? It is going well. I've had a pretty good past week or so, just kind of getting edits in for the book three of my co-writing project and then also for Vela stuff. Lots of editing. And also, because I'm going to plug it anyway, the SerialFictionShow.com. We are like booked until mid-October, which feels pretty good. (laughs) So we've recorded about half of them, but yeah. So if you are an author who is doing Vela projects, you may want to email us shortly or soon so that we can schedule you in because we're probably going to start scheduling recordings in like September or October time because we're just too many people, which is great. I love it. I love it so much. This is a lot of people. That's excellent. How about you? I've had one day of writing. Uh, Friday was my first day of writing in two weeks and I have not written since but I did get my house packed up and loaded into a van and I definitely have this moment I looked at all of my stuff and I own so much stuff and yet I know that it would fit into someone's sub closet in the U.S. and that's not dish like that's not being rude to people who have more stuff than I do it's just a weird place for me to be because I have not had that much stuff for a really long time. And a lot of it is because I have a kid and he has a lot of stuff. They like toys. Um, but I also know like family members who've had entire rooms stuffed to the brim full of toys for one child. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I've got like three containers full of toys. Like that's a lot. And it was very overwhelming just to have that much stuff. But then we loaded all of my stuff all of my nanny stuff into the van in, and then hit up the ATM and a bakery in less than an hour. So like that, I remember what it was like to move in the US. It took a lot longer than that. So that was reassuring. So I dropped all that stuff off. Then yesterday had the most beautiful drive of my life. Google tells you, hey, like the fastest route. And I'm like, yeah, no, actually, I don't want to go the fastest route. I want to go this other route because it'll take me through the area that I'm planning on moving to. And I just take opportunities to do that so I can get more familiar with it. And I literally drove up into a mountain and it was so beautiful. First of all, I cross this bridge and I see this car parked several yards away from the bridge, which stopped. I'm like, what's going on? And then I see that there is a critter. They are watching a critter outside their window. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's so cool. So I pull over and the critter's in front of their car. So I pull over and I get out and the critter starts running at me, running at me. And at first I'm like, oh no, crazy critter. But then it turns out he just was really used to tourists, which is sad. But I have a video of him and it is on TikTok and I think it's on my Facebook. So it's Chris Kane is my handle anywhere. If you want to see this, it's a Kawati, C-O-A-T-I. I don't know. It looks like a Weasley raccoon. It's really cool. It's really cute. I really wanted to get in my car and steal my snack. So that was amazing. And then I'm just driving and then there's just a casual fucking hundred foot waterfall 
off the side of the road. And of course, there's 15 cars parked there taking pictures and stuff of it. So I just had to wait for somebody to cross the bridge. And while I'm parked there, I took a beautiful video of it. And then like these just switchbacks up into the mountain, driving in the clouds. It's a cloud forest for a reason. And then coming out of the clouds and they're like, oh, a mile out there. Or like the clouds are on eye level. Just gorgeous. And I told them, my friend, I was like, you know what? I have a feeling like all the errands that I'm going to do this afternoon, they're going to go wrong. It's Costa Rica bureaucracy. Something always goes wrong. You never get done what you want. But it's okay because this drive, this visual drive has cushioned it for me. And the, the everything quickly went to chaos. So my mom calls me up. She's like, hey, can you forward me your flight info? When you get a chance, it's like, yeah, I am driving now, but I will want to get home. She's like, so you're getting in early Saturday morning, like Friday night, but like early Saturday morning, like 12 midnight morning. And I was like, no, 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 I'm getting in Friday morning. I leave Thursday, so I'm getting in Friday morning. She's like, your sister forwarded me what you sent her, and it looks like you're getting in Saturday. And I'm like, hmm. <laughs> on the side of the road, and I check my calendar, and I'm like, hmm. looks like you're right. Check my original booking. I'm like, I guess it looks like you're right. And I'm like, and I was like, no, I'm so careful about my layovers. I was not careful about my layover. I think it was like the flight was like $150 versus, I don't know, 200, 300. And I'm like, I've got two flights to buy for. I'm just buying this one. And I just was not as careful as I should have been. So I'm going to be in Charlotte, North Carolina for over 24 hours for nice reason. I did book it a hotel yesterday because it was like, oh, that's just silly. And it's cheaper to book a hotel than an exchange of so that's exciting and then I went to do my like errands to sell my property there's just like this one last like tax ID I need and we tried to get it on my side of the country the lady was completely unhelpful so nope we can't do that you need to do this blah 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 it was all wrong information so I was like whatever I'm gonna go to San Jose and I did it and so I did and I waited for an hour and then the lady was like, okay, you don't have all the information or you need, but here's the list of things you need to do. Sent me to the bank to do them, got them done. I'm going to go back to her this morning and hopefully get what I need. So that was at least like expected delays. And then I had a snafu with getting to TASM meeting on time by only five minutes late, which is shocking. Only five minutes late, managed that a wonderful conversation with our crew there. The author success mastermind people, if you're not sure what TASM is. And then I'm like, okay, so I've got to schedule my COVID test. I know this is really going long. It was a really long day. Uh, I've got to schedule my COVID test. So I look at it. I look at what time it is. I math in my head how much time I think it takes. And I'm like, oh yeah, it's it takes me like an hour to get there. So I'll give myself an hour and a half. We'll set it at 6.30. It's 5.55. That's not an hour and a half. So... Thankfully, Costa Rica is used to lateness and they don't really care. So as long as I had scheduled and I already paid, they didn't care. So I get there and they're like passports. And oh, that would have been a great thing to bring with me. Thankfully, I have pictures of passports. I had, I could, I found one of mine. My kid's dad was able to send me one of his because this happens because, and you know what? This whole day, I just had this feeling of, wow, I'm really rocking it. Like even with all of the upsets, because this is my life. Like people are like, oh no, you can't be like ADHD. You're successful. Like you get so, so much done. I'm like, no, I get so much done in spite of my ADHD. I have systems because I forget mm-hmm. everything. I make stupid mistakes all the time. 
but you got there, right? You got there. I remember one like big trip I had a couple of years ago. We went to Europe and I had bought everything in advance and I felt so organized and perfect. We get to the train that goes from Belgium to London and we get there and I show them that we're supposed to be here, whatever. And then he's, these tickets were for this morning. It was 7 a.m., not 7 p.m. And it wasn't even military time stuff because I, like at the time, especially was working somewhere where we worked in military time. I just stupidly was like, yeah, seven, bam, done. Um, and he was just like, yeah, we can't refund these. So I had to buy new tickets and they were so expensive. But yeah, so that was my like big snafu mistake after feeling like, yeah, I've got all these systems in place. And then, but <laughs> so, yeah, <Go. sighs> well. sounds like madness, but I'm glad you are where you are and that your van life tour is about to begin. About to begin, yeah. It's getting some repairs on it. They ended up being less than half of what I was budgeting for it. So that's exciting. And we've got about two weeks in New York with my fam and fixing little things up in the van. And then we go. Do we have any comments, JP? Yes, we do. Uh, We have one from Lon from the 13th that we didn't get to for book club. It's for how do you deal with under and overwriting? Lon is definitely an underwriter. Every uh, draft he has to build and build. However, he's also perfect, which is correct. But in all seriousness, he knows that he needs to work on it a bit and he thought that it was a great episode. Yeah, you know your method, right? So I think as long as it works for you, it works. Perfect. That makes me giggle, but I'm not saying anything because you are in editing land, hardcore. We're going to talk about editing today. So JP, since you have been developing this very intensely lately, what is your editing process? Yeah. So now that I have been like the back end editor for both co-writers for Abe, Jeff Elkins, and then also myself, I've noticed that I have a pretty solid pattern that I do with all of them, regardless of who I'm working with. And it's almost like a three, at at minimum, three pass-throughs before I I feel comfortable with it. First pass-through is coming at it through a discovery phase, which even if it's my own work, I force myself to, to view it as if I've never read it before, which I don't know why it works, but it works for me. I think especially using tools like Microsoft Word, reading it back to you has helped try and make it otherly to me. But I think that's the first step for me is to feel as if this is a piece I've never seen before. And then I'll pass through it. And there I will clean up a little bit more on the line by line for parts of it. So I'll read dialogue and I will play it in my head And because I am such a like egregious consumer of media, I I can play things out as if I'm watching it on screen. And so if that makes no sense to me, which happens a lot with dialogue, I will re-reform it and try to change it into something that I have been familiar with when it comes to like media, because I really like my dialogue to reflect what would actually be said in terms of what I would see on and little bits and bobs here. I don't really focus heavily on grammar because I know that there are some pieces to grammar that I'm not the best at. And so I'll leave that to the end because right now I know that I might be doing big changes and I don't want to worry about like grammar pieces at this point. Uh, Second pass through now that I've passed through it and I've 
got a better grasp on what the story is, um, I will take a pause between edits one and two and I'll make some notes as to like what things need to change around, what bigger pieces need to be reshaped and reformed. And that is really useful when I use like a Kanban system, which we can talk about in a little bit. And then my third step through is using tools like ProWritingAid and whatnot to point out pieces. I'll also read through as I'm using it to, to just make sure that it makes sense, that the flow makes sense. And if I spot any grammar stuff, I know I'm not amazing at it, but especially when it's going to more people, I'm not super concerned until we're getting to the part where I'm like giving it freely to the public. Yeah. So for my romance, it's pretty simplistic. And I think that's something you need to know with when you're getting any kind of editing process in play, you need to know what level you need. For instance, if you're just doing a short story as a freebie, you probably don't need much more than a grammar path. You might like have a couple of friends read it to make sure the story works the way you think it does. Or JP, send it to me so I can be like, weird word here, put a weird word here. But then you just need somebody to check your grammar after that. And with the romance, we do, we try a chapter and the other person goes through our chapter and edits it. Sometimes we will catch any grammar stuff that we can, that we see just to cut things down for our editors because the less errors there are, the cheaper it is. And we'll add flow things, delete anything that doesn't make sense. And this is actually different depending on who I'm co-writing with and what they're comfortable with. So for one of my co-writers, they are really only comfortable with me changing something. If I feel really strongly about it, as far as deleting, like adding, I can add all I want. But as far as like changing something, like it's gotta be like a big effing deal or they feel personally attacked with it. Whereas other ones are not attached to the words at all. And so we will red line each other's chapters to pieces and both work really well. And it was definitely a learning process with each of those. And then after we have completed our first pass through, sometimes we will use beta readers. We use them particularly if we're worried that a favorite character is coming into play and we wanna make sure that we give them the attention that the readers want. And so we'll have five beta readers come through and just see how they respond to things. Or if we're running really quick on time, really short on time, and we don't have time for one of our consistent editors who's been with the whole series to go through and really check on the continuity stuff. The readers will always catch our continuity. Then it goes to the first editor who's a bit more of a line editor and will do more in-depth stuff. And then after we go through their stuff, it'll go through a proofreader. And our proofreader will often catch continuity stuff. She's been with us, I think, basically from book one. And we have a couple of continuity checks along the line. And continuity is something that I'm terrible with. I screw that up all the time. No memory. Yay. And now we, when we get edits back from the editor, only one of us really goes through it. We we tried like both of us like going through and like verifying edits. And that was just not feasible. It takes too much time. There's too much like worrying about stepping on each other's toes. So for any particular book, one of us will just be like, I've got the edits. 
Mm-hmm. And so for a while, it was generally my main co-writer. She did almost all the edits and then she got really busy. So I was like, well, I'll take them over. And then we had this negotiation on the, the newest book that we're going to do. And she's like, okay, our editor that we were going to use because we keep putting this book off isn't going to be available. And who wants? She has an editor she uses uh, consistently for her stuff outside of our stuff. My editor is available. And this is the one where I disagreed with her so much on grammar stuff. And I was like, I will never use her again. She's like, can we use her? She's available. I've told her to give us a lighter edit, but she is available. And I was like, I'm fine with that as long as I don't have to go through the edits because I will disagree. And and, and my editor or my, my co-writer, she does not have an opinion on grammar and that kind of stuff. She's just, oh, sure. Accept it all which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. If you're not a grammar person and you want that kind of edit, there's nothing wrong with it. If you are the kind of person who loves grammar and reads grammar books, then you don't want an editor who's going to trump over your style and impose theirs on top of it. That's been my editing process with romance. Now for like sci-fi fantasy, it's going to be completely different. And I don't yet know what that's going to look like because I am going to care a lot more about flow and depth and consistency. And not because it's quote unquote better than the other work. It's a different kind of work. It's me getting to play with words far more than Mm -hmm. I get to with the romance and getting to play with magic and, and making sure like a lot of that is consistent. You mentioned having Microsoft Word read your book aloud. And last night in our conversation, one of the things I mentioned was I love reading aloud I love reading other books aloud I love reading my work aloud and that is a pass that I really look forward to having time for because I think you catch so much there it'll really give me the sense of the flow of my work before it goes out and it's just fun for me some people would even using tools to hear it back it is insane the amount of just not necessarily misspellings or grammar, but even hearing how someone talks, the the dialogue that you've written down, like how someone is saying it, you'll notice that it doesn't flow the same way that you had it in your head. And so being able to hear it, even in a robotic voice, you're like, wait a minute, no. Mm-hmm. And something that struck me last night as we were talking, I didn't have time because it's almost a whole conversation in and of itself is... Just as writers, we learn new tools and we'll focus really hard on that tool for a while, whether it's three-story method and learning how to construct your scenes that way until it kind of just becomes natural. And most of the time you don't have to pull that tool out consciously because it's in there. I was also thinking about Jeff Elkins' dialogue tools and he has so many and they can be really intense. But I think one thing that we all forget is we don't have to use the tools all the time, like every step of the way. Something I do often is if I get stuck, then I'll pull out different tools and use them to get me unstuck or through a problem. And so I think that's something with editing as well, because there's, we, I think both started out learning about StoryGrid because of Jay Thorne being involved in it and talking about it a lot. And StoryGrid is an editing tool and it's a really intense editing tool. And you can get StoryGrid editors who will do a full diagnostic of your work and give you, I think it's a pretty consistent report. They all have a similar way that they do it. The things that they see are going to be unique to them. But I would never do a full di- story grid diagnostic on my work because that's not useful to me. But I'll absolutely pull out different tools in the story grid framework. Sometimes the five commandments of a scene are easier for me to work with than the 
three C's of three-story method, particularly because there's a point in the five commandments called progressive complication and the turning point. And that learning that element is key because there has to be a shift in tone right before you get to what is the choice they have to make. And just learning that helped me so much be able to give my scenes shape and movement and not just go, we're coming into the scene. There's a problem. We're answering it. Like moving into the problem and then out of it. Yeah. In terms of, because I know you're working on a Bella project and I'm too, what, what do you think if you haven't gotten to this point yet, but what do you think your editing process is going to look like? Because it's serial fiction, it'll basically be, I haven't even finished my first episode, but it'll basically be me probably reading it aloud and then setting, sending it to a proofreader, at least for the first mumble jumble number of episodes it gets to a point where I'm like, Ooh, I can't keep this consistent in my brain. And then I will figure out what I need to do next. Whether that's if I have a fan who's just really into things like bringing them on as an alpha reader and being like, Hey, tell me when I have things up, but also serial fiction is really forgiving of consistency errors because it's serial fiction. The, I think that when I bring in editing for it, it will be after like a season is finished and I'm bundling it into a novel that's when I will sit down and do actual full editing and the playing with words and such the polish I think that publishing serially you're throwing really pretty rocks into a stream and then through reader comments and then editing you take those and polish them and then you have your formatted novel in Mm -hmm. my opinion some people are doing full-on edits um on their serial fiction beforehand but i that's some people get really they don't like the comparison of the minimal viable product from software for writing but i'm a software designer i can't help it it works for me i'm like okay what gets the best story out with the least amount of extra work And then how do we improve on it after that? I just work really well with in public feedback, not really, but working feedback. I think working feedback, the the piece is doing its work and getting feedback on it working. I really just like that process. And it may be because of my software development background, because I know that when I first started getting code reviews from other developers, I had never had that kind of intense and rapid critique before. And at first I was like, F you too. And then I realized, oh, this makes me better, faster. Bring it on. Yep. Yeah, I, I really wish that comments were available on Vela. I know they're not at the moment. Just because I'm with you in the same idea that I feel like Vela, you're closer to your audience. And in that way, you're almost a little bit more vulnerable on the pieces that you need to polish to hand over to them. Because by by doing that and by opening that channel for communication, you're almost saying, hey, is this something you like? Let me know. And then you can alter it as you go. Now, of course, it's wonderful if you can hand them the most polished thing that you can you know, get. But I think that Vela opens the opportunity up for people who may not have those means or may not, may not want to, mm-hmm. <laughs> ultimately. Yeah. And I'm still 
on the fence about whether I'm actually going to publish with Vela. Like I'm really excited about the possibility of Amazon opening up serial publishing for the larger world, but it's really running into a, this is mumbling here because I thought it's going through my head. It's running into a lot of the problems that KDP has already had because Another one of the problems is that Amazon develops all of these arms very separately. So while they're working with Kindle, because they're in the Kindle app for the iOS store and what is it, Fire Tablets? I don't remember. There's one other. Their policies and everything else seem copy pasted from like old Kindle stuff (laughs) instead Mm -hmm. of like latest Kindle stuff. And it's, there's a lot of mess. There's a lot of legal questions I have and yeah I I really want it to work because the more viable venues we have the better but if not I'm still really in love with serial stuff and I will be publishing like for free on my website then (laughs) like do the free to paid thing going back to the tools that we both use for editing I working with Jeff, we have the whole, his whole um, character wheel that he uses. And we also have just like a a general document that we can refer to for like character places, etc. I find those so useful during edits because I will come to a point where either I need a physical location or a description. And those are the points where I find those files helpful. But even when I was, um, first drafting when we were originally doing the AB process until we realized that was holding us up because we would have to keep waiting on the other one to continue on. Um, Like voice wise, we, the discussion we had beforehand as to what does this character sound like was enough to get that first drive going. And then of course we took some notes on this character wheel, but I didn't open it at all while I was drafting because I already knew the voices from the conversation. So that's why like I find these tools super useful and they're really helpful during the editing process when they're needed, but it's not like mm-hmm. you have to open up a hundred screens and go crazy. You don't have to, and you don't have to get it perfect the first time. You don't have to get it perfect the first like time you're going through your draft. There's, it's, first of all, it's never going to be perfect, but you're not even going to like necessarily have to have it really fucking good at any of those first points. Mm-hmm. Agreed. I guess our question to our listeners is, what is your editing process? Excellent. And if you would like to join us for our next book club, it is going to be, I believe, How to Write Manga by Ari Patterson. That may not be the exact title, but it is by Ari Patterson. We'll have a link in the show notes. And you can join us on Patreon to get updates about those and to vote on our next books. Thanks so much for joining us this week. See you later. Ready? Cool, 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 cool. Ready.